The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he, he said of him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Now, I love our story from 1 Samuel today. It's playful. It's almost like a sitcom comedy with its repetition of God calling out to Samuel four times and him continually thinking it's his father, Eli. And once they realize that it's, in fact, God calling out to Samuel, you have to love the response. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Now, I love this story, but I have to admit, I really can't relate. I mean, I've tried really hard at times, and yet I have yet to hear God's voice. I've prayed hard. I've listened hard. I've even pleaded at times. Still, nothing. This is just my personal experience, and it's not to say that no one has ever heard God's voice or that it is somehow impossible to hear God's voice because I know it's possible. I have some very trusted friends, people even at this church, who have heard God speak to them as clearly as I'm speaking to you today. And I trust that they are telling the truth. I just simply attest that I cannot share that same experience. But I, I thought about it again. And I realized that one, to limit God's communication with me down to just hearing words with my ears is actually pretty ableist since many do not have the ability to hear. And number two, there are many other ways to communicate with God. And when I think about it like that, I know that I've communicated with God and God has communicated with me. It might not be with words, but there are things I have done, there are places I have gone, there are things I have experienced with my other senses that have revealed God's message to me. 
Heck, I wouldn't be standing in front of this camera today as a pastor without God communicating to me on some level that this is what I was being called to do. I don't have some miraculous conversion experience like Martin Luther almost getting struck by lightning or John Wesley's heart being strangely warmed while reading Romans. But over time, my GPS of life that was trying to get my attention so many times eventually, it recalculated enough times to get me here. I'm still missing turns and exits, but I trust that my GPS or my godly positioning system as I like to think of it, We'll just keep on recalculating until I reach my ultimate destination. And I think the same can be said of us collectively. I won't say that everything we are collectively going through is all part of God's plan, but I do trust that God ultimately knows the route to get us out of this mess. And what an extraordinary mess we find ourselves in. The combination of a pandemic, a tumultuous election, and now the violence that has followed in its aftermath. I think it's time we get on a different road because I don't like the one that we're on. Well, finding that right exit or finding that right turn can be hard when we're so distracted by all the other commotion around us. So maybe it's time we stopped the car, took a moment at a rest stop, took a nap or looked at the map for a moment. Talk to our fellow passengers even about where they think we should go from here. And then proceed with calmer and clearer heads. I believe we are in such a moment to do this. We are approaching a fork in the road, but I think we have some time before we get there. We are in this moment, this liminal space, a space between where we were and where we are going. It's not quite a decision moment yet, but a discernment moment between what was an overstimulating year, a chaotic presidential administration. And now we have a moment to discern what our response will be moving forward. Austrian neurologist, psychologist, philosopher, author, and even Holocaust survivor, Viktor Frankl, he said this, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Dear people, we are in that powerful space where we can choose our response to the stimulus in and around us. And our response then will be an opportunity for growth and for freedom, as Frankel says. The time to choose our response, it will come, but we're not quite there yet. So in this liminal moment, let us take a moment to discern. And discernment, that is kind of a churchy word, but it essentially just means perceiving for God's guidance. This is a spiritual practice, and today we will even have a chance to do this together. We'll be hosting some discernment conversations after worship, where our hope is that 
many of you will stick around to reflect with one another. And in doing so, we'll strive to discern where God might be guiding and leading us into the next chapter of our life together as Holy Trinity. This weekend is Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. So I'd be remiss if I didn't share just a bit about what he said directly about discernment in a sermon titled, Discerning the Signs of History. In this sermon, King cites numerous examples from world history demonstrating that evil carries the seed of its own destruction. And I found so much hope in King's words when I look around and I consider the evil swirling around us today. Towards the end of his sermon, King speaks directly to the evil of slavery and segregation. He says, you know, we know about another evil, don't we? It started in 1619, right here in this nation. Our foreparents were brought here to slave from the soil of Africa. For more than 240 years, Africa was raped and plundered. Her native kingdoms disorganized, her people and rulers demoralized. We lived with that system right here for 244 years. And then for a period, it looked like we were going to get out with the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation, but we were only halfway out. It looked like we were doomed to stay in slavery and segregation forever but evil carries the seed of its own destruction. God spoke through nine men in 1954 on May 17th. They examined the legal body of segregation and pronounced it constitutionally dead. And ever since then, things have been changing. We can go places all over the South that we could not go last year. Why? Because evil carries the seed of its own destruction. And I am convinced that segregation is just as dead as a doornail. And the only thing I'm uncertain about is how costly the segregationalist will make the funeral. Mm. King names it so clearly. And he, the bottom line that King makes so clear is that the old order is passing away. And getting back to the driving metaphor he stated in his sermon, Ultimately, there's a checkpoint in the universe. There is, at the end of the road of evil, a sign which says, dead end street, you won't get through here. If you see evil riding high, don't worry. One day, it will be cut down. I find hope in Dr. King's words. While we can trust that the moral arc of the universe bends towards justice because evil carries the seed of its own destruction, it does not mean that we can just sit back and wait for that moral arc to bend itself. We too are active participants in the bending of this arc with God. We are living through some radically evil times, but with our GPSs, our godly positioning systems, if we turn those on, we will find a way out of this with God's directions. There is no doubt that at times this will be difficult, but through discerning the history that King lived through, we can see that he too lived in some radically evil times in our nation's history. And yet he was still convinced that 
man, what man-centered life has torn down, God-centered human life can build that up. God-centered human life. That's what builds up the body of Christ and the kingdom of God all around us. And all this time we've been spending at home, it's given us a chance to discern where that body of Christ is present among us in our homes, away from this communion table behind me. But at the same time, it also seems like our collective GPS is off and we're on some other part of the map when all along there's been a recenter button there for us. We recenter through the patient, intentional process of discernment. And in this moment between stimulus and response, we can perceive God calling to us like God called to Samuel. And in this powerful moment, we too can say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. The road noise, the commotion around us, it might be pretty distracting. And we still might miss our exit or our turn. But in those moments, we can trust that the moral arc of the universe will bend us back towards justice. Because each of our godly positioning systems has a route recalculator that gets to work whenever we get off track. Amen.